0: episode of the lakers fast break podcast it's gerald glassford coming right back at you here from lakers fast break pop culture cosmos game source and also as well inside sports fantasy football we truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows but i tell you what it's going to be an important week we have coming up here on the lakers fast break because this week we have so much to talk about when it comes to Orlando and the fact that players have to commit for a, you well, know, I guess, you know, quite a stretch because this week on the 24th, they have to commit on whether or not they're going to play or stay. And here to talk to me today about that, plus also some secret workouts with the Los Angeles Lakers and so much more is the man behind Lakerholics.net. You gotta be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net. He's a good man indeed. I know him as Tom Wong, but you know him as Laker Tom. And Laker Tom, it is very much a important week for not only the NBA, but the Los Angeles Lakers as well. Secret
1: workouts. It's gonna be a fun week to see what happens, Gerald. And uh uh time's moving fast now. We're getting close to the time the players are gonna to have to go to Orlando and uh and lots of decisions are going to be made as to what's going to happen with the teams. I, I saw this morning that Davis uh, Bertans has decided not to play. Still got the questions about uh, Dwight Howard and, and Avery Bradley uh, for the Lakers. And uh, uh, then there's the signing of free agents uh, and, and all of the new rules about how the uh, bubble is going to be enforced. Uh, the new technical devices that they're going to have for the players to wear. And at the same time, all of this is happening, the coronavirus uh, is seems to be taking over Florida. So it's it's going to be a, an interesting stretch of time. Uh, we'll find out whether or not the NBA really is going to be coming back.
0: We will indeed find out this week if the NBA is really going to be coming back, how that's structured. Cases are spiking in Florida, which isn't a good thing, and it's not a good thing at all in my my thoughts and are with those that are suffering from the coronavirus at this point in time because it is now back in many states in full force, and it's very, very troubling to see. And as it gets closer to the 24th, we're very interested to see who is committing to play and who is not. Even there are special cases like Victor Oladipo of the Indiana Pacers, who by the team is probably going to be put on that roster, But whether or not he actually plays or how much he plays is still in question because he's still trying to get over his severe quad injury that he had, and he was just getting back from it as they were hitting the coronavirus wall there earlier this season. But his status is still somewhat in doubt. You mentioned Davis Bertans. Of course, he's got an impending free agency to look towards you, and you're going to see that this week about free agents or players with a lot on the line that are probably not going to commit to the Orlando deal because they could get injured if they're worried about that, possibly their future going forward. They might wanna go ahead and stay home to obviously fight for the great causes for social justice, or there could be just general concern over the coronavirus. We are gonna start seeing players saying, you know what, I don't think I'm gonna go ahead and head down into the bubble in Orlando And that's something we're going to go ahead and see and talk about here over the next few days. Whether it's all over the sports, whether it's right there at the Lakers Fast Break on Facebook, Twitter, wherever you want to talk about it, please let us know. And also, don't forget to give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. We would truly appreciate it if you do. But Laker Tom, a lot to talk about today when it comes to what's coming up ahead for the Los Angeles Lakers and some of the things that they've done recently As far as all the news and all the the things that they're talking about in regards to fighting social justice, what does Jeannie Buss have to say and what kind of actions did the Lakers take? We'll talk about that as well coming up on the Lakers fast break. But first off, my friend, it is the week to commit to Orlando. And I know two biggest concerns for us as Laker fans are Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard. So I want to hear your thoughts Are we going to see them on the team as of Thursday? Or are we going to have to go ahead and say, you know what? We're going to go on without you guys, but we wish you the best of luck. And we want you to go ahead and carry on that great fight for social justice.
1: Kind of interesting that uh, as as you were enumerating all of the different reasons why players may not want to come down to Orlando, you know, the concern about your contract situation and if you're a free agent that's looking for a big payday, the last thing anybody wants to do is see their their career as financially get set back the way that Boogie Cousins did by going out and getting injured. And definitely it's, it's a concern coming back uh, after a long layoff like this in the middle of the season definitely has to heighten. The odds that somebody could get injured, so it's easy. It's easy to understand Bertan's decision. He's he's ready for what is probably the biggest payday that he's had in his brief career. And then there's also those who are concerned just about catching coronavirus. You know, um, I think we saw that the in the reactions to Donald Trump's Tulsa event that. People are still a little hesitant to go into crowds and, and to go into situations. And with everything happening down in Florida, where it's now almost becoming the new epicenter of the of the pandemic, it's easy to see that being another factor. For the Lakers, fortunately, I haven't heard much about anything other than desire not to interfere with the great progress and attention that's being uh, accumulated by the Black Lives Matter protests and everything and and I think that that's the main concern of Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard that they don't want to they don't want to have basketball interrupt and undermine all of the attention and progress that we're seeing with the Black Lives Matter movement. Where does that end up in the final analysis? I think that they're both going to play. I think they're both going to commit by the 24th. And I think there's several reasons for it, one being that I do agree with the positions that the nba by responding properly to concerns that people have about about the playoffs the resumption of the season detracting from the movement i I think that we're starting to see a lot of things aligned that are saying that it's probably better off for the movement for the players to be in there to be active we're seeing that baseball is in danger of not being able to have a season put together. We're seeing Dr. Fauci say that the NFL is a difficult situation, uh, and what it comes down to is that the NBA—the only really only real reason that they have an opportunity to finish the season, frankly, is this whole bubble idea that they can put everybody into one spot, which you know the NBA, the NFL can't do and MLB can't do. Um, but the Lakers and the NBA are hopeful that they're going to pull this off. Um, I also think too that. A big factor in this is is the camaraderie that the Lakers have as a team. I don't see Avery Bradley or Dwight Howard, when push comes to shove, wanting to undermine their team's opportunity to win a championship. Um, LeBron's opportunity at 35 to win his first championship with the Lakers. It's both Dwight's first opportunity and Avery's first opportunity to win a championship
0: that's not exactly true my friend i mean thanks to dwight howard's fantastic free throw shooting he actually free throw shot himself out of a title so let's just go into that right there
1: well but he hasn't won one and he's never had a chance as good as this chance i i think it really comes down to the camaraderie of the team and not wanting to disappoint lebron james there's also one other factor that always plays into these situations which is that uh You've got Markeith Morris and Dion Waiters sitting there looking for playing time. Almost everybody is almost assuming that every single player who's got a player option this season is going to extra is is not going to exercise that option. They're going to opt in and want to go through the final year of their contract just for pure financial reasons. So you know Howard Howard is a free agent, but Bradley has another year to, on his contract. He's going to opt in on that and. Frankly, if Howard were to decide not to play and Bradley were to decide not to play, it would open the door for Waiters and and for Marquise Morris to get more minutes and possibly a bigger role on the team. And I, you know, at some point in time, I, you know, I really admire the positions that Dwight and Avery have taken, but at some point in time, you also have to weigh how that affects your career. Um, and as selfless as you may want to be all of these things go into everybody's decisions. So I'm hopeful that both guys will decide and we'll find out in a couple of days.
0: We will find out in a couple of days. We will find out indeed. And I want to go ahead and talk about some of the rules for Orlando. Well, actually, first I want to go ahead and talk to you about those secret workouts. Cause you mentioned that real okay. quick. I mean, I know LeBron is always working out somewhere in secret. But I know he's getting in shape. Well, he's always in shape. So I I just know he's working out with some of the Lakers, I would imagine. And also, it's important to keep that rhythm going as the fact that we're getting into a stretch now that where we're going to commit to Orlando. But it's interesting to see some of these teams like the Lakers now going ahead and saying, you know what, we're going to go ahead and commit to starting right away on that championship run by working out with each other as far as you know going to the practice facilities going to maybe uh, some side places and whatnot i spoke to rafael barlow on our most recent lakers fast break podcast where he spoke about other nba players and the way that they have to go ahead and can or cannot go and practice and work out in certain facilities at certain places They can only go ahead and for the most part and practice at their certain facilities for their team, but still on some occasions go ahead and maybe go do that in private and secret whatnot. But I want to hear your thoughts as far as the secret workouts and how that applies and how that will get them ready for what's coming up ahead on their road to Orlando.
1: Well, what's interesting is where these things always start, where these rumors always come out. Um, and and, Remember that at this point in time, when these were supposedly happening, the NBA had had basically set rules where players could not go out and and work out together. They were supposed to. This was even before the facilities were open to work out, and and it obviously was Bill Simmons, who's famous Celtics uh, lover, who basically came out and put the whole thing on in one of his shows, were saying that yeah, there's rumors that there's been video shot of. LeBron out there, Ben Simmons playing with him, some other guys playing with him, and and they're doing this in the gym that is a, a replica of uh, the old Forum gym, uh, the, the Lakers floor, and includes some of the autograph parts of the floor from Magic Johnson and so forth. And this is uh, some CEO in Los Angeles, and then, so the gym actually exists and everybody knows about it. And it's kind of interesting that it. Theoretically, it could be a violation of NBA rules, but uh, I don't see anybody following up on it. The thing to also understand is that uh, a lot of the NBA players didn't have access to facilities in order to play basketball, primarily because they, you know, they, some of them live in apartments, condominiums, and so forth. The Lakers had the great fortune of having their two superstars, each living in a home that has a full-court gym, as part of the facility so lebron had obviously had a place to work out and 80 had a place to work out and there were lots of rumors going around that at various times other laker players had gone to each of their places and and ad and, and lebron had basically made it clear that you know they were making sure that their everybody on their team had an opportunity to to work out get shots up you know and and actually do more than just lifting weights and so forth it comes down to commitment at this point in time, when you have a three month layoff, like we've had for the NBA, it's going to be, you're going to have to be a different kind of mentality, you know, almost a Mamba mentality when you come back, that you're going to really be out there and you're going to do everything you can to get back in the game shape. And if that involves playing two two on two and three on three at a private gym in uh, Los Angeles somewhere, then uh, good for the Lakers for going after it.
0: Going to be interesting to see how that's going to play out with hopefully both Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard playing in this bubble, so to speak. But I know that last week, and I've talked about it with Raphael Barlow of NBA Draft Junkies in regards to what's coming up ahead for Orlando and the guys. And players and media and everybody involved in the NBA got a better look at what life may be like in this bubble with a how shall I say a over 100 page guide to what is going to be okay and what is not going to be okay in Orlando and funny Raphael one of the things he pointed out is you can't play doubles in ping pong. That's one of the things you're not going to be able to do on there. But you say, as he said, you can't play defense, and I thought that was funny. Talks about the rules for golf, talks about the rules on when you can go to Disney World, uh, when you can go to the movie theaters, how you're supposed to go ahead and interact as far as either with your team or not interact with your team, and also the other players as well uh, from other teams the facilities involved, and of course, you know, we talked about before about the selective hotels that they are at, the selected hotels, and depending on your record, which one got which hotels, and that was reported last week on Twitter by Sham Sharania and also Adrian Wojanowski and talked about who gets what, and of course the Lakers, because they were on top, and the Bucks and whatnot, they got the better of the three the Coronado Springs hotels that were there and be that as it may they're headed down there very soon they were given a list of exactly what to look forward to in Orlando but some of the things that really come out at you is the not mandatory it's voluntary proximity meters and also a ring my friend a ring i feel like i'm in lord of the rings here my friend because they have a ring that they can be offered to you use to wear That will help keep them away from others. Alarm or updates on who is tested positive for COVID and the whole nine yards. It's so weird that you're going to use all this technology there inside this bubble and all the stuff that they talked about, what you can and cannot do. My gosh, is there anyone more prepared to battle this? I don't know if it's going to succeed, but there's no one more prepared to battle this coronavirus down there in Orlando than the NBA.
1: You no, know, I think it's a pretty impressive set of rules. You know, it'd be interesting to see whether or not we have a fallout of players who just did not want to, because there were a lot of objections to some of the rules initially, feeling like that he would, guys would be stuck and, and, and basically that whole optics of being a whole bunch of black athletes locked up in prison, so to speak, not able to go out and in total quarantine. That's not something that's very easy to deal with as all of us who've been self, you know, sheltering for the last two months understand that, you know, it's a difficult situation to do that. So I don't know whether we're going to see much fallout of players who just don't like the idea of going into quarantine. If we do see it, I think it'll be on some of the teams that are not really have much chance there are some of the teams that are not of the 16 that are going to be in there so there's six teams six or seven teams that that you might see a lot of guys decide maybe they don't want to go down there and go through that trouble getting back into shape after three months off and so forth the technology thing is kind of cool because this this little ring thing actually it supposedly can project three days ahead of time if you're going to get coronavirus uh, it has all sorts of medical things, very similar to the Apple Watch type of uh, technology, um, as well as the, the uh, nearness technology that it can tell you if somebody's within six feet who also has a ring. Now, if only, if only a few people are wearing those rings, that's not going to really solve the problem. So, uh, and, and I've seen lots of comments from different players that they think that that's kind of an, an intrusion on their privacy even though the statistics coming from those would only be available to the team and so forth. So it's a, it's an interesting experiment and I think that some of the stuff is going to work and some of the stuff is not going to work. I give the NBA great credit for actually taking the steps to to really utilize technology to to actually find a venue that that hopefully can work and put together a plan that uh, working with the Players Association uh, that can actually allow them to resume the season. There's a lot of compromises in it. It's almost like legislation in the sense that you have to to let people, you know, you have to have some give and go on different things just to make sure that you get everybody to agree with it. So hopefully the objections will be minor enough that, that we'll see A pretty unanimous support of the players going out there and and actually showing up for Orlando. That obviously is the first hurdle that they've got to get back in order to make the resumption of the season and the playoffs a reality. They have to have, you know, pretty much buy-in by almost all of the players and definitely the superstars involved. If they don't have that, and you combine that with the coronavirus explosion in Florida, then it is very possible that the season could be canceled. It's not a sure thing. That's for sure. No slam dunks here.
0: One ring.
1: <laughs> you can buy those rings yourself too. You know that, Gerald? I know. They're, but... they're available two hundred ninety nine to three hundred ninety
0: nine bucks a piece. Yeah. Okay. I'm on that. Yeah. Uh huh. I'll wait till I go Kind of like, like an ankle bracelet. It's
1: kind of like an ankle bracelet, though, isn't it?
0: In many sense, yes. So I don't think many of the players are going to buy into that unless they're really paranoid, really paranoid to go ahead and and do that. But, yeah, I think I'll wait for the discounted version later on, coming up, hopefully later this year. I don't think I'm going to dish out for that. I still got to make sure I have enough money for my PlayStation 5 and Xbox Series X. We're signaling the ref for a quick timeout. But we'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Check out what's been going on with the Pop Culture Cosmo Show and the PCC Multiverse. I see the potential for basically like another Netflix kind of paradigm shift where...
1: being promoted and this is a thing where
0: audiences do not agree with critics that's the pop culture cosmos show and the pcc multiverse every week on apple podcasts and over a dozen of your favorite streaming and podcasting options but i tell you what my friend there's more to talk about when it comes to the lakers uh, and something i want to go ahead and delve into is something that both myself and Raphael Barlow from NBA Draft Junkies on our Monday episode talked about, and that is the continual fight for racial diversity and social justice and some of the things that the Lakers organization did. Some of it is a long time coming, and uh, the hiring of Dr. Carita Brown as the director of racial diversity for the Lakers, I think, was a great move. Uh, like I said, should have happened a long time ago because as we've talked about on our Monday show, and I'm sure you want to mention it here, the NBA, even though it has gone a long way as far as diversity is concerned, still has a very, very long way to go in the hiring of coaches, of different ethnicities. Also, as well talking about the front office is still a majority of white personnel, and you have to go ahead and, and become more diverse because when your league is 85% African American, as far as players are concerned, you need to have a, a coaching staffs and front offices that are more reflective of that. And one of the things that they did in a positive manner is the hiring of Dr. Carita Brown. And then Jeannie Buss, owner of the Los Angeles Lakers, went ahead and spoke about becoming more cognizant of the fight for racial diversity. And as an organization, taking that step and how other organizations need to go ahead and take those same positive steps as well. And what I want to ask you is this, in your mind, I'm sure, as we've talked about on many occasions before about other aspects of this fight, is this a good step in the right direction? But unfortunately, after she made those statements, Jeannie Bus also got some unwanted and unwelcome responses out there, including one in particular that even LeBron James took notice of and was very vocal against. And to me, I think it was the right way to handle it. And that person who made those statements, it just isn't worth anyone's time.
1: One of the things that I found fascinating about the Lakers hiring of Dr. Brown is her difference-making. Which is the first thing she asked when she was approached about the possibility of the job wanted to know is the Lakers, are the Lakers a non-racist or a anti-racist organization? And as she got into discussions with the Lakers executives about that difference, it sort of resonated with me as to be the real difference that we're seeing happening today versus what's happened the last few times that we've had racial incidents in this country. And it's sort of that If you're really not, if you're a non-racist organization, that's no longer enough in this society that we're in today. You have to actually be actively anti-racist, meaning you've got to make steps to to do away with racism, to make sure that you have equal opportunity uh, in your organization, in your hiring practices, in everything that you do. And it's interesting. They had Dr. Brown talk to the players before they hired her, actually, and uh, impressed the players greatly and impressed the executives greatly that this was a position that was long overdue for the Lakers to put into place. And I think it's exactly the kinds of moves that would give comfort to great leaders like LeBron James or players who were concerned about the problems of racism that are, we're facing in our society, like Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley. Dr. Brown's motives and everything and how she's going to go about trying to make the Lakers a anti-racist organization rather than allowing them to just be a non-racist organization. Jeannie Buss, uh, I thought, was a terrific move to publish the racist email that she had received from a fan who was basically just ranting and raving in just uncertain terms. And it was great that she'd published that and got a lot of support from LeBron and so forth. But this is the type of thing that you have to do if you're anti-racist. You cannot allow stuff to happen and just let it wash by. You have to bring it out in intention and you have to, to to make sure that people know that this is acceptable. We're starting to see changes that are happening in this country. I mean, I never thought I'd ever see NASCAR outlaw the Confederate flag and statues for slave owners and traders, uh, to the country that, that caused the civil war, uh, having statues still that are in the cities and, in and, and municipalities around the country. So it's great to see all of these actions happening. I'm very hopeful that we're going to see some big moves in the area of legislation to, to control police brutality and, uh, Uh, Those are all just first steps, and and you just hope that all all of this fervor that we're seeing, we saw it it a couple of years ago with the Me Too movement, and then it sort of seemed to simmer down. But we're seeing something now that I think is going to lead to permanent changes and and for the better. Um, And I think every opportunity that the NBA players have going forward uh, is only going to be better served by them actually finishing the season and using the platform that they have to continue to put pressure on the rest of the american society and the world to bring racial justice to the forefront again.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, I'm looking forward for this positive change going forward. I'm looking forward for the Lakers making more positive changes so that we can go ahead and have a truly diverse front office and a truly diverse coaching staff out there, not only for the Lakers, but for the other teams as well. And you're right, the NBA has to take these steps sooner rather than later. And I'm looking for more positive change in our society and going forward, I'm hoping that the NBA, the players, the league, and everybody goes ahead and makes that effort to fight systemic racism and go ahead and take those steps to provide a better society, not only for us now, but for our youth, our children going forward. And to me, that's very important, especially as a father of two daughters, I would love to see our society evolve and grow together as opposed to against each other. And that's something I'm, I'm hoping to see going forward.
1: Think about all of the injustices that seem to just all of a sudden just get taken and photographed on cell phones left and right. And the continued response by the people and and especially the young people in this country that that are willing to go out there and risk being infected by covid-19 in order to make a statement and go out on the streets and really rally it's something that i that i hadn't seen since the 1960s to be honest in berkeley and and all of the anti-vietnam stuff so it's it's a it's a beautiful silver lining in the in the cloud of racism that we're struggling with in the aftermath of the, of the coronavirus and economic problems that have, that have plagued the black community. Um, it's great to see that progress and, and I think we need to keep pressure on it continuously. We can't let this opportunity die and fade away the way so many other opportunities in the past have done. This is a chance to really make change and we have to take
0: advantage of it. We do indeed, my friend, we do indeed. Well, there's still the back half of the hour, my friend, as we're going to be talking more about what's going on, but before we do, I want to ask you real quick, can you give everybody an update of what's going on with Lakerholics.net, everything that's going down there, what's the conversation like? I want to know what the Lakers fans that reach out to you each and every day, each and every day on Lakerholics.net, what are they talking to you about I know for me what I've seen in the traffic there is is getting a little bit more and a little bit more because getting gearing up, my friend. We're gearing up. But what are the individuals that are there, what are the, the fans saying about what's coming up for the Los Angeles Lakers?
1: Talking about things that matter to millions of people, really matter and as great as we think sports are and so forth. Those, they're trivial in comparison to the issues that, that we're facing today. Um, and I think there's also sort of a, an acceptance that nobody's wrong and nobody's right. You know, you, you can look at these NBA players and if some guy doesn't want to play and doesn't think it's right for him to play, for whatever the reason, whether it's, whether it's an ethical reason or a fear of getting injured or a fear of, uh, of testing positive, People are putting their lives on the line and you can't, each person has a right to make their own decisions about those types of things. So I think there's been a good deal of unanimity that we're in a point in time in our country where we're dealing with issues that are far more important than sports. Even though we're a sports blog and we're diehard fans and it'll break our hearts if the Lakers don't get that chance for the 17th championship and LeBron misses that opportunity at age 35 to win his first Laker championship. Those are trivial matters compared to the the things that are happening in our society right now today. So I think that's one big discussion that that I'm proud that we're going through, and I'm proud of the way that the people on the on the site have responded, uh, regardless of their political affiliation and and uh, their their party. The second thing is that there's a lot of discussion just about how are the Lakers going to do in the playoffs? We really need Avery, you know, and we need waiters to come up big, and, and we need Markeith Morris to shoot like he did when before he got to the Lakers. And probably really importantly, uh, we need to continue to play defense and, and play great basketball, and, and there's adjustments that we can make. We were the best team in the league going into the playoffs, and everybody is pretty confident that wild cards notwithstanding and x factors notwithstanding – the Lakers are going to go in there ready and prime to go after that 17th championship. And if we get the opportunity to do it, almost everybody thinks that we're going to do well. Nobody has had any doubts. There's going to be nobody's doubting that the team is going to be ready to play, that the leadership on the team is going to come out and play their very best, and that every player is going to contribute and, and come out and really play hard. We're the favorites in Vegas and uh well, we're and
0: second that... favorites. We're second favorites. Milwaukee is now the favorites right now.
1: Milwaukee's now the favorite. I wonder Milwaukee how they is can do now, that. We're
0: now, now the favorites. So,
1: well, the problem with Milwaukee is they only have one superstar. We have two, and but uh, you uh... can't
0: say that the other way around. Indeed. So, I don't know. It. it I'll tell you, my friend. It's going to be something that we're going to look at extensively, and you and I are going to go ahead and talk more about it on upcoming episodes of the Lakers Fast Break and. You know, as it gets closer to this Orlando bubble and the training camp and the weeks ahead, I'm looking forward to it. I mean, it's so nice to be talking about a league that has somewhat of its ducks in a row. I mean, obviously not everything's in place. We're we're still talking about, you know, which players are going to make it, which players are not. And I'm telling you right now that there's still so much to talk about as far as the NBA is concerned, but... They are miles, along with the WNBA, miles ahead of the other major sports. NHL looks like they're almost in secret, but they've got somewhat of their act together. But when it comes to the NFL, it's still very much up in question. How are they going to be able to pull this off? And Major League Baseball, they just outright, the players and the owners, just uh, and obviously uh, Commissioner Rob Manfred, they, they just flat out hate each other.
1: It's, you know, when you, you watch these other sports and what's happening, and, and, and you have to understand, too, that for the NBA and NFL, NHL, it's finishing the season. <laughs> they don't have the dilemma that Major League Baseball and, and the NFL have, which is how to even just get the season going. So there is a difference there, you know. It's uh, yeah, Like, I don't think the NBA could play the entire season if they were going into it in a bubble in Orlando, you know we can maybe stretch it out to to do it like we're doing but so i do i think it's important to recognize that the major league baseball and and the nfl have a more difficult situation they're they can't solve their situation with a bubble like the like the like the nba could so that that's a big factor in it but you know the nba has been sort of the prototype for how you how you run a league and how you integrate players Interests and owners' interests, and 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 run a progressive league uh, that that's really the show for everybody to emulate. And I think that the the way that they've approached the problems uh, is a great first step. If we can pull off a successful completion of the season and a playoff, then we'll have to face the same problems that Major League Baseball faces and that the NFL faces, which is players that are going to have to take a hard look at exactly what what the new CBA is going to be like, uh, because whether or not they they end up with a lockout and a termination of the CBA using the force majeure clause or anything like it, it's a simple reality that the 2020-21 season is going to require dramatic changes and that essentially are almost a rewriting of the CBA for the NBA in order to be successful.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, my friend, there's a lot to talk about when it comes to the Los Angeles Lakers and the road ahead, but when it comes to Major League Baseball, they can't even get their act together. They're now down from, what was it, uh, yeah, 100, well, 162 40 games. games. <laughs> yeah, all the way down, whittle, 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 whittle down. Now they offer 60, and they can't even get that. I guess it's because of the playoffs, when it comes to the Major League play- Baseball players, the players want the full playoff structure and, of course, the you know, the almighty dollar and the payoff because of it, whereas the owners are just trying to get... <laughs> I don't know what the owners are thinking about, especially Rob Manfred as a commissioner. just It's a scene where it's not the way you're supposed to be going about it, especially during a pandemic, but at least the NBA, for the most part... I understand with Kyrie Irving and his thoughts and his voice out there, and obviously with Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard and several other players following suit, there's not been this total agreement as far as from the players, but at least the conversations are there between the players and the league, and that's something a lot of these other leagues do not have.
1: Well, also, there's the difference that you've got the concerns that have split the players from – Apart, you know, have been concerns that I think every single player in the league still recognizes. They understand the Black Lives Matter, the importance of the opportunity that we're facing as a society right now today. Whereas Major League Baseball and and NFL, those they're they're not even they don't have anything like that that's governing their own situation because they're they don't have eighty five percent of their players being black. That's the big difference in the, between the between the situations that they're facing. So, you know, and, and I give credit to the to to uh, Adam Silver and Michelle Roberts. You know, you've got two good leaders of the of the owners and the players, and, and and an ownership group that that pretty much supports David Silver completely, and and the players' organization that that Michelle Roberts has done a terrific job, just you know, making sure that they get their voice, and, and yet at the same time having pretty close to unanimous support so that, you know, we're able to, I mean, if, if frankly, if, if the United States government, if the House of Representatives and the Senate could operate on the same basis that the NBA and the NBA Players Association operate, we wouldn't have some of the problems that we have at a federal governmental level at this time. Uh, so I give a lot of credit to the leadership as well as the membership of the of the NBA and the NBA players association.
0: I do as well. I think it's something that people need to go ahead and at least appreciate the fact that they're trying to go ahead to the table and work it out with the players and also the, the union and, and the whole nine yards. They're just trying to go ahead and make this as, as feasible as possible. And yes, it is restrictive, very restrictive in this bubble. But it, the you know, the design and the plan is to try and keep the players healthy so that we can get through this as best as possible with as few illnesses contracted as possible. Trying to get this, yes, of course, money is motivating all this, and that's driving all this is money. But it's also for not only the the ownership and the NBA as a league. You know, Rafael and I talked about this about possibly even up to a billion dollars in play here for the league, which 500 of which will go to the players because they get 50% cut out of this. So it is important to not only the players and the league, I mean, trying to salvage what you can out of the season, which has just, just really been (laughs) one heck of a season, my friend and not in a good way at all.
1: Yeah. You know, the, the other factor too, is that how well, this experiment goes to finish the season is going to have great repercussions on next year. And because next year, the, you know, and, and the future CBA to see things fracture apart the way that they have with major league baseball is a sad, sad story. And it doesn't bode well moving forward because the pandemic is still going to be here. People are not going to want to get into crowds. Um, we may, you know, there's a good, there's a very strong possibility that we may see COVID-19 becoming a new version of the flu that's around every year that everybody you got to get vaccinated for again because the the having just even caught it doesn't protect you for long. It could be just a couple of months for people who have a light case of it, and maybe just you know six months for somebody who had a very serious case. So it's it's something that's gonna be around maybe a lot longer than people really think. It's not just gonna go away as soon as we find vaccinations, uh as of as sport and so forth. So that means it's a new normal. And everybody keeps forgetting about this old new normal that's gonna happen. And, and and it is already happening, and we're already seeing the seeds that are being planted everywhere and how we deal with our educations, how we deal with schools, how we deal with jobs, how we work remotely, how we handle Crowds, How we handle different types of businesses and the challenges that, that a lot of different industries are going to have and the changes it's going to make in just how we how we do our everyday life and so forth. And at the heart of that is the whole issue of sports and gathering big crowds of people together, you know, indoors or outdoors, you know, so uh, the NBA is is doing the right thing. And, and, and I think in the end, all of the players are going to see this, too. And I think we're going to see very few people opt out of going to Orlando. I think we're going to see a unanimity and a desire to understand that we can support the Black Lives Matter platform. We can support limiting systemic racism, and we can provide entertainment and have a platform and build a future that will still hold together and remain sustainable as we move forward into a post-pandemic or a a situation that involves the pandemic being part of our life again, part of the new normal, if you will.
0: We'll be back with more of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast. Needing an edge for your fantasy football team? Listen to the guys at Inside Sports Fantasy Football for insight that will help you reach your league championship. That's Inside Sports Fantasy Football. Check it out today on your favorite podcast outlet. Between you and I, I don't want this to be the seasonal flu and then have to worry about the seasonal flu on top of it. I, I don't uh, like that prospect at all, but you're right. I'm not going to put that out of the realm of possibility because, you know, it took how long to get rid of the Spanish flu? That was over a hundred years ago and it took so long to get it out of its existence And even with all the technology we still have today, it's still going to be hard to get rid of the coronavirus. So many different variables when it comes to the coronavirus that has me worried. And I don't even want to think about it, man. I want to think about basketball. But I also want to think about how we can go ahead and provide change against systemic racism and the statement that these players are making because I want to stay on that topic. I know as it gets closer to the NBA... Everybody's going to be talking about that, but we're we're going to push these really important social issues, which needed addressing a long time ago. I, I don't want to put it on the back burner, my friend. So I want to hear your thoughts before we talk about Boogie Cousins on the way out. I want to hear your thoughts on how we can keep that in the forefront, how we can keep this fight against systemic racism for actual change, not just talk, not just blah, 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 blah. I want to hear how we can go ahead and make actual change happen, how these NBA players can do that because they have the platform. And Rafael Barlow of the NBA Draft Chuckies, he was talking about this on the Monday show about how he thinks we could see record numbers for viewing for regular season games or playoff games from this. I'm hoping he's correct. I have a feeling that might be the case at least early on because people will just want to see something that's out there. So I want to hear your thoughts as far as how can they use this platform to create actual change against systemic racism.
1: I wrote an article in Medium and at Lakerholics about a week and a half ago, basically, which was the different ways that they could really, that the players and the league could join together in order to really create a viable change as opposed to what's happening. And it involves a lot. Of it involves raising money, because money is still going to be what drives all of these various events. But, but it, but it's a whole bunch of different things. They could, you know, I I, th- I think, for example, that they could take the rest of the games and and uh, use them use them as a platform to to bring in people. Let's say in pregame shows, you could bring in people who were going to, let's say, black celebrities who would talk about Black Lives Matter. Uh, and what the reasons and so forth. Uh, you could have the players of the game have post-game situations like that uh, to raise attendance on the viewing and so forth, in order to to raise the advertising money and so forth. You could have black celebrities come in and do halftime shows, uh, rap stars and and music stars and and actors come in and do halftime shows in order to raise it. You could go out and you know you could raise more money by let's say taking a thousand. Socially distanced seats in the stands, and lot and and uh, having an auction where where people bid to come in so that they can be one of those thousand fans to to watch the playoff games and raise the money that way. Uh, you can you can do all sorts of things to make sure that they're that the subject of Black Lives Matter becomes synonymous with the NBA and it's synonymous during those broadcasts that every broadcast that you make has opportunities for people to lobby and support and talk about that situation what it really comes down to is the power of the power of the platform depends upon maintaining awareness and educating people and if we can use that power uh, so that the NBA becomes synonymous with it it's 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 making things like every jersey that's sold from now on has a black lives matter patch on it so that you get all of these new jersey sales and you get kids out there wearing these things and so forth. So I think that there's a lot of things that they can do both on an educational and awareness level to make sure that the playoffs don't detract from the movement, but enhance the movement and give it a platform in which it can really educate people and and keep the point of attention, keep people's eyes on the ball rather than letting it slide away so we miss an opportunity to make change. And I think that those are the kinds of moves that you have to make. And I I think the hiring, for example, of Dr. Corita Brown by the Lakers and and creating a whole new position, a director of racial equity and uh, for the Lakers team, uh, that's something that hopefully you see emulated around the league. I think that the league can do a lot more uh, making some commitments on hiring some black coaches and black front office people and making sure that diversity sits around it i think they should make some specific guidelines that they're going to do that and create some new opportunities that way so that the league support staff mirrors the league's players more um, there are a lot you see you see it now in broadcasting so something that we know can be done and and you know it it's just just a whole bunch of steps that i think can put together and it, it's basically putting together a program and and when you see players like Dwight Howard and Avery Bradley and, and Kyrie Irving, even though I have some concerns about some of Kyrie's motivations, when you see them take stands that, that seem selfless like that and that really, that really put into perspective the difference between a social policy that affects millions and millions of people versus a bunch of basketball games that really affect only a few people. And you just can't compare those two situations. So what you have to do is use the power that they have in their platform as superstar athletes and as a superstar league to do as much good as they can. And to, as Dr. Corita Brown said, instead of being a non-racist organization and accepting that as your limitation, to actually go out and become, for the NBA to become an anti-racist organization.
0: We talked about the front office and coaching but also ownership. And when yep. teams go up for sale, that they are allowed every opportunity to go ahead and be a part of that process. Because what Michael Jordan is he the only black owner at this point in time, if I'm not mistaken. or yes. Okay, so that, yeah, that has to change as well. And hopefully that will in the coming years. So we could be more of what we should see as far as the league as a whole that would be great to see going forward. I know there's many steps we need to take not only just the NBA but society as a whole and I'm I'm looking forward to those steps being taken in the coming days, weeks and months, but we need to keep that that awareness out there not only now but going forward especially when the league starts and have that platform to go ahead and, and be able to create that message that helps change going forward positively in the future.
1: I think Raphael's right that those games, once we start playing again, are going to see viewership like we've never seen before. And that's an opportunity to really get the eyes of the country focused on what's important and why we're playing the games. That should be part of the whole message that the NBA puts together with the players. And I'm hopeful that we're going to see that as, as things move on. You know the networks uh, it's a good opportunity for the networks to to do their part, you know, just uh, same thing with the sponsors, the sponsors of the team that that are supporting the Lakers that then even the advertisers who buy advertising time, you just have to coordinate this whole thing as a campaign, if you will. And that's something that I think the NBA has done well in the past. Um, they just need to take it to another level now.
0: Well, I'll tell you what, my friend, it's a lot to look forward to. And in the coming days, weeks, and months, we will see more. I'm hoping for that continual message to get out there. And I'm hoping for it to get out there with the NBA and also a lot of other places as well. Yep. But before we head on out, my friend, Demarcus Cousins is still out there in free agency. And the free agency period will start very soon. I think later this week, if I'm not mistaken. Before. But yeah, at the same time, the players that are going to commit to Orlando.
1: Testing starts today. A long swab up the nose testing.
0: Well, okay. But not the mouth, just the long? Okay, because I did the mouth when I test.
1: I, actually, I think the players are getting something because if I remember, if you violate the uh, protocol and break the the bubble, so to speak, then you're subject to the long nasal swab. It's almost like it's, they're using that as a deterrent to, Make sure that otherwise you'll get the other kind of test. But if you actually go out and violate the bubble, one of the penalties is you get the nasal swab test as opposed to the saliva test.
0: I've taken the the mouth swab test, and that was nothing. So I don't want to do the nose test. So I I don't want to be in violation. I don't want to be in violation. Bowie Cousins, whether or not he will resign with the Lakers. And... I know that Dave McMenamin, I believe, on one of the Lakers uh, shows on ESPN LA stated as, you know, there's interest there from the Lakers organization and also talking about possibly uh, waiving THT, Taylor Horton Tucker, in order to get him. And I see that as the only alternative this time. THT has some promise very young is it worth enough to keep him on the roster or do you want to go ahead with Boogie Cousins you can't get rid of Cook cuz he's still got another year that's not that people have to go ahead I oh wave Cook wave Cook no Cook has 2 years he has an option for 2 so he probably will opt into that so you can't wave him and I don't see other real options unless you want to go ahead and just cut Waiters already or cut Marquis Morris already which would be defeating the purpose of signing them in the first place
1: right yeah, it's, you know, I was, I was actually really hoping that the league was going to expand the rosters from 15 to 17. And there was some talk about that, but that apparently now has died out. So I thought it was an intelligent idea just from the standpoint of being able to get a couple of the guys who would start practicing with the team and so forth, just in case you ended up losing two or three players because they tested positive. But without doing that and having to waive a player – uh, I don't think there's any question. I, you know, I, I, I love THT's potential. I know a lot of people who watch the G League consistently say that he has great instincts, but he still has a long way to go. He's two years away from being two years away, if you will. And the thing with Boogie Cousins is it, 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 the Lakers have to sign him. It's that simple. Even if he doesn't play a game. They have to sign him because somebody else will if they don't. And that means all of the loyalty they built up for this entire year and the and the chances of getting him next year are slim to none because if another team signs him, then it's going to be an open door for him because, he did, you know, the Lakers need to do that. Maybe JaVale will decide that he can't play because of all of the players, uh, you know, Javale is the one guy who because of his asthma is you don't you don't want to get COVID-19 if you've got the asthma problems, the respiratory problems that he has. So if he or Dwight were at all, if Dwight decided not to play or Javale decided not to play because of his medical condition, they would jump at the opportunity to to bring Boogie in. But I think that if they have to waive THT, then they have to waive THT. You have to sign Boogie Cousins. You can't let him get by. He is the player. The other factor is Anthony Davis. Anthony Davis is still a free agent. You know, he can walk. And the reason we signed Boogie last year was because AD wants to play with him. He wants him to be the center that he plays with because he stretches the floor, which is something that JaVale and Dwight just don't do. So, to me, it's a 100% sure situation that the Lakers cannot allow Boogie to slip away. But a single word about what kind of shape he's in, but he's been 12 months now from the injury. And he was ready, supposed to be ready to go in shape, supposed to be on progress to be ready to pl- turn to play in June. Well, maybe we don't need him until we get to the Clippers or the Bucks, but which is going to be late September, early October. There's a good chance that he can help. He, I mean, he's a better passer. He's a better shooter. He's not as good a defender, that's for sure. Even in, even if he came back 100%, then he'll probably come back hopefully at 80%. You know, but an 80% boogie is still uh, close to an all-star player, and you can't you can't get a player like that when you've got two superstars on their salary already, not without wiping out and sending everybody out like they might want to do for Giannis. Uh, So I, you know, I I think that they have to make the move to sign Boogie, and I expect them to do that.
0: You realize, of course, that the top two percentages from the three-point area are possessed by Dwight Howard and JaVale McGee.
1: Yeah, but the number of attempts are under 10 for each one of them.
0: (laughs) Yeah, this is true. This is true. Just thought I'd point that out.
1: No, I saw that. I saw that every time I look at the three-point averages.
0: Well, tell you what, my friend, it's been great talking about Boogie Cousins, everything going on with the continual decisions that are going to be made. It's going to be a very important week in the NBA as the players have to decide and commit to Orlando and whether or not they want to be in the bubble. So it's going to be very interesting to see who's in and who's out. And we'll follow that this week and we'll have hopefully more discussions talking about that coming up here in the future on this week and more. And I want to tell you right now, Laker Tom from Lakerholics.net, be part of the conversation today at Lakerholics.net. And Laker Tom is just always so great to have you here. I cannot thank you enough for doing so. If You want to reach out to Laker Tom at Laker Tom on Twitter. For us, it's at LakersFastBreak on Twitter. Or if you have an email, you want to go ahead and email us LakersFastBreak at Yahoo.com. Well, Laker Tom it's been great talking to you again some major decisions coming up this week and we'll report it all to you as soon as we hear it right here thanks for watching thanks for listening and we truly appreciate you being part of the Lakers Fast Break Podcast